The next station is High Park, High Park Station. Welcome back into the book room. My name is John Deegan. This is a fun one. I met my buddy Peter at the back of Mr. Shaw's grade nine English class in 1979. We've been friends ever since. There were a bunch of us back there, all of whom over time declared we might just become writers and most of whom have ended up somewhere in the creative industries. Pete, for instance, has worked in television for about 30 years. Obviously, we talked a lot about books in grade nine English and Pete and I have been talking a lot about books ever since. We used to work in a bookstore together, in fact. Despite the move to television, he never lost his love, some might say obsession, for literature and books. Pizza collector. Going with him into a bookstore is not about browsing, it's about hunting. He was the kid with the huge comic book collection. Now he's the 50-something with a huge book collection. The house he shares with his wife Kim and an assortment of cats in Toronto's High Park neighborhood is filled with shelves and book cabinets, neatly and meticulously arranged. There's been a lot of talk online lately about radical tidying and the throwing away of books. This will not be happening at Pete and Kim's house, because for Peter, nothing sparks joy, quite like adding new books to the pile. And for the last few years, he's been all about the penguins, specifically original orange-covered penguin paperbacks from the earliest years of the company founded in 1935 in London by Alan Lane. A while back, Peter and I got together at his house to watch a hockey game, The Toronto Maple Leafs are having a stellar season. In between periods, we looked over just a small part of Peter's book collection, The Penguins. Here's that discussion. How much did you pay for this? Fourteen. Fourteen dollars. That's probably the most I've paid for a book. It's Country Life. Country Life by H.E. Bates? Yeah. And that's why it's in plastic? It it arrived that way. How much did you pay for this? I think I paid twenty-five. But I've been looking for it a long time. I've actually been looking for the mug. There's a mug that Penguin makes that says Country Life by H.E. Bates that I was actually trying. You can't get in Canada. But then it's also, I've read a lot of his books. I've read all the, I've read all the uh, Darling Buds of May series, and I've read a lot of his short stories, his novels, and he's one of the guys who I discovered through collecting penguins, was H.E. Bates, and he's become one of my favorite short story writers. Oh, okay. And then Country Life, these were articles he wrote on uh, Country Life for the newspaper during the war. So they're just, they're articles literally about, you know, how to get more out of your geraniums and petunias. Right. Kind of things. <laughs> And, you know, life among the chipmunks, those kind of things. Have you been to the, I know they don't have this kind of penguin, but have you been to the penguin store here yes. in Toronto? Yes. The little mini store that they yes. have? Because they have the mugs there, but they didn't have they that They didn't mug. have that one. There's, so I have, the one I drink out of every morning is, um, the, is the Big Sleep mug. Hey, I have the Big Sleep mug. That's my favorite mug. I have that on my desk at the writer's It's a nice menu. green mystery mug. Yeah, 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 it's nice. And, uh, but I've been, uh, if the next time I get to England, I'm going to get the Country Life mug. So wait a second, what do you mean a green mystery mug? The mysteries were all green? The mysteries were green. So they were color-coded. And right. so the, originally the fiction was orange, and still is. And, the, and this is what you have. This is These are all orange. These are all orange here, but upstairs I have... A selection of mysteries. I'm not a big mystery reader. In fact, I probably the only mystery reader I read is Simonell. What do you mean you're not a big mystery reader? You got me into reading George yeah. Simonell. Yes, but that's that's the one. Like if you look at the others, I'm kind of like, <laughs> eh. you know, there's not there's it's not my favorite. I actually still tend towards 20th century 
modern fiction, so probably 20s, 30s. Never read Chandler? You've read Chandler. I read Chandler uh, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I, and it, it, as I tend to do, I went through a phase where I tried to, I read almost everything by yep. him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the other guy of that period. Hammett? Hammett, yeah. yeah. I'm having a problem with memory recall. Oh, my God. So I was Tell driving home. We're in our 50s, Peter. I was driving home, <laughs> uh, and this is vaguely literary. I was driving, I came off uh, Don Valley. I'm driving across Bloor there at Castle Frank, and I'm coming towards Parliament. And on the right-hand side, there's a set of stairs that you can see drop off. They go down to the ravine. Yeah, yeah. And at the top I of know the stairs, stairs. Yeah. are two of the actresses in full costume for The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, right. And they're shooting something. And it was kind of weird because it's literally like, literally, like seeing a book come to life. But it was odd <laughs> to see that. And I could not remember the name of the book. So I saw them, saw the iconic red you know, habits and the 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 head pieces. And I'm like, oh my God, it's... And my brain stopped there. And I drove all the way to my shiatsu appointment, got in, (laughs) explained to my massage therapist, and she said, the handmaid's tale. And I'm like, yes, that's it. But it was a full 15 minutes later. I've been seeing that all over Twitter lately, is people with handmaid sightings. Yeah, I guess I guess they're in, in Toronto shooting right. Yeah, now. they were at City Hall a while ago, and I think they've just been out and about. Because you know, in the first season, actually, I recognized a lot of the locations. They were um, Etienne Brule Park. Oh, really? For a lot of it, yeah. There's a crucial scene on a on a bridge. That's that little walking bridge there. Okay. Well, it's not a walking bridge; it's a driving bridge, but but you are forced to walk over it. Right. And then there's oh, I know a, what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a scene where in the background you can see. Um, Old Mill Station. See there, I had a little pause there. I was trying to remember the station. You can see Old Mill Station in the background because yeah. that's a very iconic station. Yeah. Right. But the the, the yeah certainly the uh, trying to you know it, it's funny in in thinking about talking about this it's like I'm not gonna remember some of the authors that I've read that I've only discovered through just deciding to read through Penguin, collecting, which I do break from occasionally. But, but is this look- a thing now? This is when you go shopping for books. You're shopping yeah. for penguins. Yeah. That's it. Because as you know, for years, I I go into bookstores, I go into bookstores, and for years I would just, I would have certain authors. Yeah. So I'd be like always looking for, you know, editions of Updike or Roth or O'Hara, Graham Greene, you know, hardcover, stuff like that. And then I, in Modern Library. I used to collect, I used That's to. That's right. I, I remember used, the, I used modern to the Modern Library Modern Library. Yeah. But um, I found it was really limited in what you could find. In fact, I kept on always finding the same things over and over again as if there was not a wide variety. Whereas Penguin, in the, you know, even, you know, during the Alan Lane years, you know, the first 2000 orange penguins that came out, you know, they hit 2000, I think, in the 60s. And you can think about it, you know, everything that's gone past. I don't think they number in the same way as they used to, but they actually, penguins used to have a number associated with them. And so you always knew, like this book here is is 1478. That's The Gathering Storm by Winston Churchill. And there is... There is a blogger, she's no longer blogging on the subject in, in Australia, who uh, had a blog where she was going to read a penguin a week, and she would give a synopsis about the penguin. She would. I remember you talking about that. Is that what kind of got you into it? It kind of got me more into it, because she used to travel to like England to like Hay on Wye, where all the used bookstores are, and she would have these photos of like 
20 times the amount of penguins that you see here in front of yeah. you. And I would just be like, that's crazy, <laughs> the amount of penguins. That's crazy. I want to do that. I want to do that. <laughs> and, uh, and so she was doing that for quite some time, but her goal was to read the first 2,000. And right. uh, so she was also collecting the first 2,000. And I, she did really well She, in terms of collecting, in terms of reading. She also did very well. And then strangely... The post kind of stopped. Then she had a guest person do a, a, a post. And then she kind of announced that, and I'm not making this up, she was now into uh, the Lindy Hop and was taking dance lessons. <laughs> and I'm not making that up. And kudos to her. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't do it. She I mean, found her new interest. Yeah. 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 And I, the, you know, the notion of a pe- penguin a week, I, I've been actually, I'm on a penguin right now. And uh, and this may not be the fault of the book, but I've been stuck on it for, I think, two weeks. Right. And it's a book by a guy named Perez Galdos, who was a Spanish writer in the 19th century, who apparently, never knew him, never heard of him until I found this book, which is called Meow. And it M-I-A-U, yep. like meow, yep. like a cat meow. It was written in, I think, around the 1970s, or sorry, the 1870s or 1880s. And uh, he apparently is the uh, greatest writer since Cervantes in the Spanish language in Sp- from Spain. And he would be the equivalent of, of a Dickens or a, a Balzac. I don't know if it's the translation, but I'm just not getting through it. But no. most of the books I read, I've actually discovered a number of writers that I've just been quite taken with and then just kept reading more and more of their stuff. So that's one of my questions. There are a lot of penguins here. Have yeah. you read all of these? No. In fact... Do you intend to read all of these? I, my intention is to read all of them. It's not a collection for any sort of monetary value in anything or, or in terms of its uh, value going up over time. Right. And I, you've to, just... I collected comic books as a kid and I still have that comic book collection. <laughs> I'm a collector by nature. I'm not, I don't think I'm a hoarder but I am a collector by nature. You know, all hoarders say, I don't think I'm I know, a hoarder. I know. <laughs> and I always watch, you know, I when I watch programs on, you know, this kind of subject about, you know, clutter and stuff like that, I always am, rationalize my own behavior. So in well, this it's case... Well, it's very neatly stacked, I have to say. There's nothing on the floor here. No. It's, uh, the, you've got shelves for everything, so that's great. But I notice as well that you've just turned on your computer and you have a database. Yes, so I actually... I list, I mean, it's not It's not a, a large collection by any stretch of the imagination. Is that just in Excel? That's just in Excel. And I've yeah. only been doing, you know, I've been collecting, I would say for a couple of years at most. Yeah. And I uh, try not to go to, I be- rarely buy online. So I have it, you know, I have right now, I only have about 650 books. That's all. Just yeah, 650. But it's not a lot. It's not a lot. And, uh, and, and you're not a hoarder. Let's just stress that again. But that's just penguins. Yeah. And I've sold some of my other books. I mean, I've, I'm always kind of fascinated by, like, the Library of America series is there. Oh, I see and, that and up so, there. And yeah. so, you know, I have the complete Henry James. And I'm going to read that when I'm retired or dead. <laughs> whichever comes first. And uh, I'd, I'd go for retired. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still have the Modern Library collection. I have the complete 1928 Oxford English Dictionary and how, how many, many volumes? volumes? I'm not sure how many volumes. It, it's, uh, that one's behind glass, I notice. Yeah, it's more than 12, so there's some hidden here. Okay, I'm following you so we can hear you. Actually, it's the 1933 edition of the OED. It, yeah. 
Yeah, that is. Where did you pick that up? I picked that up at the uh, university book sale. It was the university college uh, edition that was in the library. That was UC. And you go to the Trinity one as well, right? I go to the Trinity. And the I, I remember this about you. You so would always every, go to those. Every fall I go to the Trinity, yeah. the Vic, and the UC sale. And I got the that in for $100. And I felt... All like, those volumes for $100. In total. That's a um, fantastic And uh, when I worked at... Britnell's, the bookshop at Young and Bloor, which is no longer, the bookshop's no longer there. But at the time, uh, I think it was around 1988, 1989, they brought out a new edition of the OED. It's right. the one that came with discs as well that I think were prepared by the University of Waterloo. Was or, it the one that came the with the micro, uh, yes. and uh, I think that magnifying was, glass as well? Yeah. Uh, the magnifying glass was for the two, That's uh, a two, two volume. the two volume one. We yeah. sold that as well. But we sold, and at the time, we were selling it for, I believe, I believe, I think it was around $2,000. The so, larger one. The yeah. larger one. And so my rationale for this one, for 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 having this one, even though some people have said, well, it's out of date, which, okay, from they started preparing this in the 1870s, this edition. Yeah. So, I mean, it took them about 50 years to bring it all to... It's all relative. It's all relative. Out and, of and also, it's <laughs> of my, the period of my favorite writing, which right. is the, pretty well the Edwardian and the and then into the 30s. So. I forgot that you had worked at Britannals. I mean, I didn't forget, but it it, uh, it wasn't front of my mind. I go by uh, the old Britannals all the time, and I think of it as Britannals when I walk by it. I if think you, it's a Starbucks it's now. It's a Starbucks now. Yeah. If you go inside, it's actually full of... Uh, pictures from when it was a bookstore right and they even have some kind of um, how long did you work there i worked there full time for uh, at l- probably about a year and then i continued part-time after i got into television for about another year right and you so, worked for a britnell yes didn't you yeah was it was it mary britnell was the, mary britnell was a daughter she was the third generation of the family and uh, her mother was still kind of involved with the store, but it was being run by a management team. Uh, yeah. It was the Keen Brothers. I remember this near and, the end. And yeah. uh, eventually it was, it, they died out when uh, the big indigo went in on Blue Earth. Yeah. That Boy, that right is an old school bookstore. That yeah. was an old school bookstore. <laughs> there are no bookstores like that anymore. Not in Toronto. Not in Toronto. And at the time, they were, you know, they were the only kind of bookstore that advertised and uh, in the in the national newspapers and claimed that they could get a book from everywhere and that's what we did. So right. we special so orders. We, we special ordered from England, U.S., everywhere, and a lot of other places didn't do that. I yeah. mean, I know. remember that about Britannals. So, so the, uh, the these are all fiction and they are all from a certain design era. You mentioned a name earlier. Alan Lane. The Alan Lane. So Alan Lane was the the founder of uh, Penguin Books and the. Again, don't quote me on the dates, but we're talking mid-30s Yeah. when he started up. I mean, it wasn't obviously just him. There was a series of, you know, there was a group of people who worked on and came up with things like the design, someone who came up with the design for the Penguin. But that, the tri, uh, the tri-band of, of white and, and orange, and orange. Yeah. you know, was there on the get-go. And so I think I have some of the very first from the early 30s, the ones that came out. These are from the first, uh, the 30s. Those are printings from the... Um, Many the Cargos by W.W. W. Jacobs. And, sorry, what's this one? Madame Claire. Yeah, Madame Claire certainly was one by of the Susan first Ertz. ten. So the uh, André Merois Ariel was the first. Well, yeah, sure, it's numbered. Four. Yeah. It's number four. 
Yeah, Mini Cargos is a little later because it's 214. But that 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 was their look for a long time. And uh, again, it was much later. And again, I'm not sure what period, perhaps in the 50s, that they first started talking about um, doing line drawings. Yeah. And adding line drawings to it. And uh, it in, was and they argued about, about it long yeah. for, on the cover to oh, replace the, in oh, the I center tri band. They would actually right. put a picture. Right. So you would have and then they were against for the longest time, including photos or anything of that nature mm-hmm. but then i think it was it was other publishers like pan you know those paperback titles that kind of introduced photographs on the covers and uh again they they were kind of later in, in bringing that but then when you look in the 70s they used that quite a bit and they would do it by series so if you look at everything that at someone like the irish writer edna o'brien you know and they bring out all the sets of hers they yeah. they had these kind of you know sexual photos on every one of her books and uh there'd be these kind of not lurid but you know these odd romanticized kind of female figures and they would use this across the entire series of her books it was kind of odd because they would do that too i think they did that with francois Sagan as well but it was i'm going to say this about the writers that you know i've discovered only because i started reading penguin edna o'brien was one of them uh the country girls trilogy was one of the best books i think i think her very first book she wrote when she was very young i was like bowled over it was it's like almost yeah it's it's the same kind of feeling to the beginnings of, you know a portrait of the artist when you read it and you just read from her the depiction of a child through to this young woman who ends up uh getting into a bad marriage right Great. well so we have three books here that i'm looking at well we have four but i'm looking at three none of which i've read Four, <laughs> number four which is madame claire number 214 which is many cargoes and this one is number 1835, so 1,835. And you can see the design change just over the course of of that many books. You can see the design change between number 4 and number 214, so that's 210 books. The Penguin has changed. The Penguin has become much more stylized and cartoony by 214. It's it's actually quite realistic in number 4. Yeah. And these these Penguin specials were uh, during... In the war years, they brought out these a number of uh, uh, long essay subjects, uh, nonfiction on the current state. So there's everything around the war crisis and and leading into the war on this. And then here are these these I found the same time I found that Churchill book. Were, and what are these? They uh, look very very different. Yeah, they're very different, but they're Penguin specials. So that's a Penguin special from the late 30s, early 40s. Right. And this one, I think, is from the 60s when... Arthur Kessler. Arthur Kessler. And it's about their... Um, they're basically arguments against capital punishment. Right. So at the time in England, when they were trying to... They were basically bringing out, you know, tracts or literature against capital punishment. These were kind of two books brought out by Penguin. Right. And they're very different. This... They're very different. Glossy cover and, you know, depictions of a person being hung. I think it's a theatrical yeah, exactly. picture. They are very graphic. Yeah. Hanged in Error is the one you have, and I have Hanged by the Neck, Arthur Kessler and C. H. Rolfe, and uh, there's a there's quite a quite a, a little uh, cartoon on the back of a of a man yeah. hanged by the yeah. neck. I'm actually I'm actually kind of interested very much in in reading. I hadn't seen anything. I didn't Penguin specials. I kind of I don't know how, how long they kept doing them, but then when you know this is kind of one of the definitive books on Alan Lane. That came out by Jeremy Lewis not that long oh, ago. Oh, called, called Penguin Special. called Penguin Special. And okay, so I have bought you penguins before, and I remember being in a, in a. Do you have to get that? Yeah. I remember being in a, uh, 
used bookstore in Ottawa and thinking, oh, there's a whole bunch of penguins here. I have to get some penguins for Pete, but I had no idea what your criteria was. So now I'm seeing mostly fiction. Do you have specific authors? I see you have almost all Graham Greene over I have, here. I, I've, yeah, I pretty well have all of Graham Greene. I have, and you uh, have Galsworthy over here? I've read the entire Galsworthy saga. All the Foresight books? Yeah, all the Foresight books. I read them last last year. And a lot of baits. And, and then everything I, I really, I just, when I find a penguin, I just look at it and go, is this something I would read? That's usually my basis for buying it. And so I've, right. you know, I read, I read through more of the Thomas Hardy. I've been reading, dipping into Thomas Hardy all my life. And in the past couple of years, I read three or four more of his. And then at that Christmas... You, that you hadn't read before? That I hadn't read before. And then Kim went online at Christmas... And bought me a whole bunch of his, okay, let's call them lesser novels, the ones, but they're still brought out by Penguin. Penguin has right. some additions. His happy novels. His happy novels, yeah. <laughs> and actually, and some of them I was surprised, I was surprised on, I read I have two of them now, and they're actually just as entertaining and as, as the others, so. And as bleak and dreary at sure. points. Sure, yeah. sure. You, uh, do you have Jude the Obscure? Yes, I do. As a Penguin? Yes, I do. Never read it. You know, I've read it. <laughs> I've read it. That's the yeah. most depressing. I don't. Book yeah, I don't. Yeah, read. I don't know why. I, I just. I just. I don't know why I enjoy his book so much. I mean, yeah, I don't know. They transport me, I guess, in a way. No, I get it. What uh, What won't you buy? Now, I mean, I, I'm attracted to penguins as well for a totally different reason, and that reason is that uh, I was poor as a student, and so I bought almost all of the novels that I had to read as hurt penguins, novels and philosophy. Yeah for a lot of my early classes. Yeah. So I have this co- huge collection of hurt penguins, which were, you know, remaindered penguins yeah. with the black uh, marker on the yeah. on the on the uh, bottom. Uh because they were inexpensive and and excellent, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nice nicely put together, but they look totally different from these. There's the, uh, are the black much, ones? Yeah, they're the much later. Uh, yeah, the the with with the actual illustrations on the covers, often yeah. photographs. Yeah, and, and yeah. I have a bunch of them upstairs as well. Yeah, I mean it's more recently that they've done more of the black binding for the classics. Right. Um, but what I tend don't I I really don't buy a lot of the the stuff in the Pelican line and the there's a lot like that's the thing is that there's the first two thousand, but we're talking about thousands upon thousands of titles. It's you have to kind of pick and choose, and I'm not. It's just that I'm. My interest is not in reading the classics, right? Or in reading kind of the, you know, they have a lot of stuff on science and 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 all those other kinds of, and and just on wide ranging topics. It's just my interest is towards fiction. Where, where do you get them? Mostly, I, I scour all the used bookstores in in the GTA, and then when I go to a new city especially overseas, I look there. I have, it, for some reason, there's limited success in finding in the U.S., but I always find that if I go to small towns, like if I go down to like Stratford or London, Ontario, just different, even small towns like um, Georgetown, I found stuff, you know, and just use books. I just go to used bookstores all the time. So you, you, sniff, you sniff out the used bookstores? Yep, constantly. And I, I say sniff out on purpose because one of my criteria for things that I won't buy are smelly books. Yeah. I can't stand a book that smells really, really musty. Mm-hmm. And most most old older books do smell musty. I can't stand to read it. It gives me yeah. a headache. But I'm getting better at that because because I, I think as as I age, I'm like you and I want to I want to read older books. Yeah, it doesn't bother you. It doesn't bother me, and I don't notice it. Although there have been occasions where I do smell a book, particularly musty or moldy, and I don't buy it. 
but for the most part, it doesn't bother me. It's never you, bothered me. I actually like the smell of old paper. Yeah, well, I like it. it. It's true. I do like it, but I can't have an extended period of, of reading it. it. It gets to me. Yeah. Your cats are running all over the place. That's because Mother is home. Oh, really? Did somebody come in? Have you ever browsed the bookstores in London, like on uh, Charing Cross Road? Uh, no, no. I've Edin- Edinburgh. The last, the times I've been in London, I, I, I have to say no, only I mean, because I didn't seem have, to be the place. Would it? It not? would seem to be. It would be the place. But again, there's uh, the town in Wales, Hay on Wye, that is like chock full. Like that's where there's like a used book festival there. Yeah. And that is like the, you know, the mecca to go to. But I had great success in in Edinburgh. And uh, a little bit in Glasgow, but yes, you would. London would be the place. So if we go to London next year, let's go to London. Let's, that let's, that was the whole point yes. of that question. Let's yeah. go to London. Yes, and yeah, I'll bring an empty suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What, which is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Is it the oldest one? That My you have? favorite. My favorite, just from a collecting point of view, is 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 getting Country Life H E Bates. Oh, there it is. Yeah, you That's showed right. it to me. And in beginning. terms of reading, my God, what's the best thing I? The best thing I, I can tell you, there's novels that you know uh, Stevie Smith's uh, novel written on yellow paper. I actually keep notes if I really liked it. So right. there's a book called Aiken Field by Ronald Blythe, which is a history. Uh, it's an oral history of a small town in England. Yes, excellent is what you've said. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> uh, but other things like uh, Coming Goodbye to All That by Rob, Robert Graves was. Fantastic book about his experiences in World War One. Kilvert's Diary by Francis Kilvert, who was a um, a young uh, minister in England, and it's just his diary. Right. Uh, it's a fascinating read. And well, uh, you were raving about the Foresight Saga all last year. Uh, I seem to remember. Yeah. 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 And Colin McInnes's Absolute Beginners, which was made in oh, a Bowie that's movie. Right, the Bowie movie. And I, yeah. I passed it on to a friend to read, and thinking. There's a there's almost a, a Whitnail and I element to it, and it's a, a fantastic read. Never would have read it except that I picked up a penguin. Sure. That I never would have never would have sought it out. What is that? Lo- Oscar Wilde, Lord Arthur Savile's crime, and other stories. What it's, was Lord Arthur Savile's crime? I can't remember now. Oh. Okay. That's the problem. My memory's not so good anymore. <laughs> so that's why I keep the notes about what I read. Otherwise, I'd be reading these over and over again. I keep a database of what I've read. I have it in a program called EndNote. Yeah. Which uh, satisfies my uh, my OCD because it makes me put down the ISBN and all yeah. that kind of yeah. stuff. But uh, well, when I read my first P.G. Wodehouse, Laughing Gas, which was hilarious, and I didn't expect to like it because when I worked at Britnell's, there was a guy who was a uh, shipper who went on and on about the Jeeves books. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I'm not going to find that funny. <laughs> Turns out I read one. You were negatively it's not, impressed. It's not, yeah, it's negatively impressed. I didn't, I didn't appreciate his other... Uh, uh, interests and so uh but this wasn't a g's book but it was hilarious so i'll have to read some more pg wodehouse could you estimate the value of this oh collection <laughs> 650 books yeah 500 dollars <laughs> unlike the comic books comic oh. books 5,000 comic books $120,000 there you US. go yeah there's culture for you <laughs> and you still have those comic books yes yeah. so you're not gonna sell any of this uh i'm gonna sell the comic books and these, these, if I move from this house, I will sell the books I've read. Yeah. I'll just take the books I haven't read with me. I've known you since 1979. Yes. Since 1979, you've said, I'm going to sell the comic books. That's true. I did sell my vinyl. <laughs> I sold my vinyl. You sold all your vinyl. I sold all my vinyl, too. But now I want it back. 
That's true. I've actually been talking. I've been saying to Kim, uh, you know, we bought a re- we bought a really nice turntable turntable for my brother-in-law for yeah. Christmas, like a really nice one. And uh, we were listening to some flamenco records that we he brought back from Spain, some records from the '60s. And I was like, I gotta get a turntable. And I start buying again. And Kim says I can do that once I sell the comic book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was uh, I, I bought some Bluetooth headphones for the for my kids. For their birthday at Sonic Boom on Spadina, yeah, 215 Spadina there. Uh, what a store! Have yeah, you, I've been, have in, you there, been yeah. in there. Oh yeah. What a store! The yeah. just the floor space, just the the square footage that yeah. they have for vinyl. They but they've got CDs as well, but they have a lot of turntables. Yeah, they have those no. little traveler turntables, which I'm quite intrigued by because yeah. I wanna I wanna take it on the road. Yeah, Gord has one of those. My brother and it's the sound. We were listening to it this weekend. We we're up and. Uh, it's not as great as the, like the, the turntable on a good set of speakers. Oh my! Well, like, like a, a good turntable. At Chalk's party. At Ch- yeah. Like he had, had amazing speakers and like yeah. he had a full 1970s setup. Yeah. You don't in, get the rich that, sound with those yeah. little. No, but, but you can. But they're fun. Figure it out. I'm not. I'm not a big enough audiophile. My hearing's going so. <laughs> I'm happy enough. You can't remember anything. Well, Your well, hearing's going. Well, in the 70s, we listened to transistor radios, and we were happy to hear the music that way or it's listen to true. a ball game that way. It's true. And then suddenly we got a little more money, and we had to have you know really good speakers and really good receiver and everything. And now, again, I'm listening to something sometimes on my phone that's the equivalent of a transistor radio. If yeah. my speakers are, if my earbuds aren't quite set in my ears, I'm hearing this tinny music. No, it's true. It's like, this is a transistor radio from the 70s. It's true, but I told you the other day, I was listening to the Beatles' White Album mm-hmm. through really nice headphones. Yeah. And was just transported. It's so different when you can hear it's the true. layers. It's true. When you're not listening through a transistor no. radio. and it's true. Yeah. No, it is true. And, th- and that's... That's why, you know, I don't put off the, the notion of, of having a turntable again and, and listening to vinyl again, but one collection at a time. Yeah. Okay, let's watch the hockey game. Okay. Customers for Heathrow Terminal 4 should change across platform at this station for a train to Terminals 4 and 123. This is a Piccadilly line service to Cockfosters. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Peter and Kim for letting me back into their house again. We are indeed all planning a trip to England in the next year or so, and uh, you can bet there will be a lot of bookstores visited. You can find older episodes of The Book Room on SoundCloud, where you can also subscribe to the podcast. It's available as well on the Apple Podcasts app and the Google Podcasts app, all the podcast apps. The Book Room is an occasional series of short dispatches covering, in general, the industry news and personalities of the book business. We'll talk again soon. Okay. I want you to be as nerdy as you can be. All right. <laughs> There's so many of them.